On this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast, Joe and Ron chat with co-founder and CEO of Megaminds, Eric Tao. Megaminds is a 3D virtual world interactive presentation tool for teachers and students. Many of today's students interact in virtual worlds like Minecraft, Roblox, and others. Why not meet and engage them where they live with Megaminds? Buckle up and get ready to learn with Joe and Ron. And now, let's get into the show. Have you heard about the nerds? What's the word? Teacher nerds. You can tweet them out on Twitter. You can find them on the gram. After listening to their podcast, you'd be sitting there like, bam! Trying to take the teaching from one level to the next. Reaching up to Canada and down to Mexico. Gotta go. Teaching nerds. Start the show. Welcome back to another episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. I'm Ron Nober. I'm Joe DiPaolo. I'm a technology teacher for third grade to eighth grade. And I'm teaching fifth grade math, science, and social studies. And today our guest is CEO of Megaminds, Eric Tao. Eric, nice to have you on. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to talk about Megaminds and how it fits in with today's generation of students that we're all teaching. Um, but first, we're going to do our icebreaker of this or that. And all three of us here are New Jersey guys. So we're right in the prime season of fruits and veggies coming out of the farms in New Jersey. So, Joe, we're doing melons today, right? Watermelon or, or cantaloupe, Ron? Or that, we're playing this. Or that, playing this. Or that on the Teacher Nerds Podcast Show. Or that, is it this? Or that, is it this? Or that on the Teacher Nerds Podcast show. This is a tough one. I'm not a huge melon guy for, for fruits. Um, I'm more the berries, like the blueberries and blackberries and things like that. But to me, watermelon has almost no flavor. So I know Joe, Joe, I can see. <laughs> I'm trying to stay calm. <laughs> I got to, I got to go with cantaloupe. Cantaloupe wow. has, has some flavor. My wife, if she were in here, she would be strangling me um, because she is a watermelon with a little bit of salt on it uh, person. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going for the cantaloupe. So, you know, you know Ron, I, I tend to agree with you usually um, that watermelon has less flavor than cantaloupe. Uh, and I'm kind of right in the middle there as well. It's kind of tough uh, for me to pick a pick a side here. But I, what I will say is we've had watermelon a couple of times this summer, and I don't know whether it was because it's been, it was an ultra mild spring or what, but the watermelon this year is ridiculously sweet. Joe, I don't know if you found that as well, but for, for, for this episode, I'm gonna pick watermelon just because of the fact that this, this year seems to be a really, a real bumper crop. I've, huh? I've never had a problem with watermelon. I think cantaloupe is like the most boringest fruit out there. <laughs> I would even, and, and, and if you were to give me a choice between a grapefruit and a cantaloupe, I would take cantaloupe or I would take the grapefruit all day long and I can't stand grapefruit, uh, but I just think a cantaloupe is so boring. But Eric, that's interesting because we really did have a mild winter. I wonder if that did have an effect on a watermelon. I don't know. I, I just. I love watermelon smoothies, watermelon straight off the, the rind. It's I could eat yeah. it all day long. 
And yep. I will, I will say this. I do tend to eat it more when we get it. And, uh, my girlfriend cuts it up right away as opposed to just keeping it in the refrigerator. If it's cut up, I'll eat it definitely a lot quicker, but I'm watermelon over cantaloupe a thousand percent. And it, to me, it's not even, I didn't even, I didn't think this was going to be that much of a, of a difference. I figured everyone would be going watermelon. Um, <laughs> Ah, man, I just can't. No, this, is, this is this is how we do our our things. We're, well, we're always kind of a lot of times, on, or I should say, a lot of times on opposite sides on this. And when we say cantaloupe, we're talking about the one with the orange. Yeah, yeah I mean, inside, that's right? Like not, yeah, okay, okay. Honey well, there's the, got the green. What is it? Honeydew. Honeydew. Yeah. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. See, the the restaurant I used to work at, we would do a a fruit salad, and it would have the cantaloupe, the honeydew, grapes. Uh, pineapple and uh, some maraschino cherries thrown in there. So, <laughs> and if I ever had that, the cantaloupe was always the last thing. I just think it's so boring. I will tell you too. We have uh, or we have ducks and chickens. You give them after like my wife cuts the watermelon. Like you know, she'll give them the 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 rind. Right. They will clean that thing down to pure white. Oh wow! They will wow. take every single speck of watermelon off of there and the, they go crazy if i if they see me carrying it down they start to freak out it's it's pretty <laughs> wow. you've trained you've trained your ducks <laughs> and now we're going to take a little break but we'll be back in a moment are you ready for a podcast that celebrates innovation and in education well look no further than the what school could be podcast on the what school could be podcast you'll discover stories of educators and education leaders who ignite student engagement purpose, and joy. Experience the power of project-based, place-based, and product-based approaches that spark student engagement and purpose. Unlock the potential of personalized, inquiry-based instruction that embraces diversity and taps into every student's unique abilities. The What School Could Be podcast, inspiring imagination, igniting change, and empowering the next generation. And now back to the show. So, like I said, we're talking about Megaminds and all the cool things that Megaminds brings into the classroom. But Eric, I, I know you got your start in, you're not originally from like education as your your adult background, right? You're more from the business tech side of things. That's correct. I want. I do want to caveat that by saying that my wife, my wife uh, works uh, in a school in the New York City Department of Education and my mother was an English teacher. So education is not a hundred percent foreign to me. Right. So it's, it's kind of in your, in your family still. Right. So, so tell us, how did you go from that business tech world now, you know, into education? Sure. So I guess it started back. You could, you could it started back in 2015. Um, I was working uh, for Google at the time uh, on an innovation team, but on a marketing team. Um, and we had a project with, uh, with the VR with the VR group at the time. So what we were doing where we were running some um, experiments where we were trying, we were amongst the first to put web uh, web VR, today it's called WebXR, but web VR um, experiences in the browser so that you could access them on a smartphone. So what we were trying to do is make VR experiences you know, accessible to anybody carrying a smartphone. Um, so we made some really cool experiments. Uh, you know, some are still active on the web actually today that you can still that you can still try. But then during that time, we had like a side project with a school in Jersey, and um, it was with a um, it was school for autistic autistic kids. And there was a child um, who was severely autistic and who could only walk through Target 
in a certain manner. He just, his mentally, there was a block. He could not make it through the store except for this one way. So we had uh, an experimental camera. It was like a, a VR camera that had looked like a UFO. It had like 18 GoPros around in a rig. And they asked us to create an experiment, use the camera to create an experience of walking through Target in a different way. And then they wanted to try it as a therapeutic device. Mm. Uh, there, uh, some uh, therapy. So we did it. We just took the camera and we moved it through Target and, and in, a, in a different manner. And, and they put they put the experience, you know, um, in cardboard. Google Google had those cardboard headsets at the time, and the, the kid experienced it uh, in cardboard, and it worked. The kid, the the, the 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 child was able to walk through Target now in a new manner. He was it was just by him experiencing. Um, the act of moving through in a different way. He was his his brain was able to process it. So. That was my first kind of aha moment where I was like, wow, you know, this is this is this is an immersive experience. This is just one tiny one. You know, what what could what could be the power of immersive learning? And then you combine that with what we were doing with serving up VR experiences in the browser of phones. And then those two elements together, you know, uh, could really be impactful. And I, I, I thought it could really uh, uh, make a dent uh, potentially in the future in education. So that was the aha moment. And then fast forward to 2019, I met my co-founder, uh, Marina Mark, who is an assistant principal um, at a, a Title I school in Brooklyn. She had a, uh, she was uh, asked by the DOE to put together a school proposal for um, um, an, an immersive, uh, a, a new type of learning. It was for the Imagine Schools Initiative, which was a public-private partnership between uh, DOE, uh, XQ, and the Robin Hood Foundation. They had a budget to put to to, uh, to create 20 pilot schools around different types of learning. And if they were successful, they would then be you know replicated around the country. Um, so we put together a proposal around immersive learning, where students um, from it was would it, it, the proposal was a K through eight school because that's what uh, she she's a principal of and that's what she knows best, uh, but it could extend out to to also also high school as well. Um, the proposal went we we got as far as the chancellors the row of people who sit underneath the chancellor and we pitched it to them is really well received and this was in March of 2020. So one week <laughs> later, what happened then? <laughs> yeah, one week later the whole world shuts down and and you know the project goes with it. As far we never got an official this project is dead. So as far as I know it's still not dead, but <laughs> it's dead. Um, so about you know, a year and a half ago, uh, we pivoted. We, we had done all this work and all this research, and you know, some really interesting things were happening with the tech stack as well. Web VR became WebXR. Uh, it incorporated all these new uh, languages, and it was it was really becoming robust. Um, and so, at you know, I, I turned to Maria. I was like, we should really take our idea and and pivot it into a a, a, a learning platform that a, a browser based platform that can be accessible by Chromebooks, slow powered Chromebooks, tablets, and smartphones. You know, um, um, so that's that's really the genesis of of um, of where we started. Uh, we launched our beta last fall and piloted um, with a couple of schools. We had about 400 teachers sign up for our beta. You know, we learned. Uh, a great deal uh, through that process, um, you know, talking to teachers, talking to the students, especially. Um, we learned a lot um, and have been refining the product since, the platform since. Um, and now 
Um, you know, I, I was able to uh, uh, demo it, uh, do some demos at, at ISTE this year where, where I saw you, Ron. Yep. And I think we finally, we have a really robust platform now that can really, uh, that it's easy to use, that's intuitive um, for teachers and for the students. They, they don't really, they're like fish in water. They don't really need uh, 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 any type of uh, onboarding. They just they just jump in and they know exactly what's going on due to their experience playing Roblox or, or Minecraft or what have you. Again, like you said, saw you at ISTE and uh, I've messed around with the platform and it, and it is like, I can see like there's a little bit of where I have to figure some things out, but I know just looking at it, every kid I drop this in front of will know how to operate it and will be teaching me how to operate it. It looks exactly, you know, it looks like Minecraft. It looks like Roblox to them. So um, yeah, it it is really cool. So kind of talking, and I guess I should mention, you and I met through Beluga's Same Here Schools Month. Um, We were on a panel talking about teaching Generation Z and Generation Alpha. Um, And, you know, you were really great in, in that, this platform kind of speaks to them, like we were just saying, kind of naturally. So can you tell us just a little bit about your thoughts on these two generations? Like, you know, how do, how is it that educators need to be engaging them? Because, you know, Joe and I hear kind of regularly now of students not being engaged or there being greater discipline problems. And I can only, if it's across the board, you can always start to assume because there's some kind of disconnect or lack of engagement, right? If it's in my classroom, it's one thing, but if it's in classrooms across the country, something's going on. Yeah. That, if I recall, that was a really particularly uh, robust segment that that in that podcast, there was a lot of nice, nice dialogue there. Um, And I think, you know, when I go to conferences like this, Steve, when I, t- I talk to teachers all the time, and and the two most common things I think I hear back are the first thing is I can't get my t- my kids to concentrate on a task for longer than ten minutes, uh, and then the second thing is they don't want to listen to me anymore. And there's always with each group or generation of students, there's always, you know, differences, right? And differences in the way they were raised, differences in culture, technology, uh, societal factors. And I think with this group, you know, uh, I have an eight-year-old daughter and a five-year-old daughter um, who, who both have grown up with an iPad in their hands. Both of them, I don't know if this is good or bad, but both of them could were able to skip commercials on YouTube when they were one years old. They, 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 knew, they knew how to do that. Um, so like, this is the way that this, this current generation, uh, you know, the tip of generation alpha and the tail end of generation Z are growing up. Um, you know, so they're, they're the attention span 10 minutes. I I, I get it to a degree, you know, because they're used to instant gratification. They're used to, um, rapid information. You know, I, I was, I was told a story about a, uh, eighth grade history teacher um, who uh, was confronted by one of his students uh, this year. And, and the student said to him, it's like, Mr. So-and-so, why are you teaching me things that I can Google? And that's a really, to me, that's a really sad, uh, sad moment because that what it means is that student doesn't respect the craft or, you know, the, 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 the profession of, of teaching that, and that to the student, it was, this teacher is telling me something that I can just type into Google and 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 read read for myself. But at the same time, it's a reflection of 
of how these kids are growing up and then how they're getting their sources of information. You know, um, it, it's just a different world, you know, um, the, the worlds that, that I grew up, you know, the worlds that you guys grew up, you know, 60% of teachers are, are over the age of 40, you know, um, so they all grew up with the same references in the same, the same way, but you know, it's, it's, there are, it's there, those generational differences, I think are all kind of combining to create this, uh, disengagement effect, if you will, um, where the way these teachers have been brought up, the way they were taught to teach in, in, in teachers college, in, in, in college, might not be relevant. I don't know if that's the right word, but it might not be, um, you know, uh, uh, relevant to, to, to today's learners. Right. It may not be like the best practice. Best practice. Yeah. That's a better for, word. Yep. For today's learners. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Interesting. And again, I, I mean, I think back to like, you know, classes and, and teaching and, and teaching was, you know, for me, like even my student teaching was students were well-behaved, not talking, listening, not, you know, not doing anything other than eyes on, you know, the eyes on me. And, and it's, you know, it's definitely as I've grown in the profession, I try and keep abreast of like the best learn, you know, best practices. And it's definitely, there's been a switch. Like it, it should be like Joe, your class, right? You walk loud in. and messy, loud right. and messy as, <laughs> as, as opposed to uh, single file, you know, or, you know, single rows and, all majority. direction. Yep. And I will say this as a talker, it is tough to, to, you know, I use that iPhone and we're not supposed to even, we're not, you know, they, they do ask teachers, don't, don't, don't bring your cell phones out. Don't let those kids see you because no one knows what you're doing. Are you on social media? Blah, blah, blah. I set that timer. Like at the beginning of a math lesson, I got 10 minutes and this is my time to say everything I need to say because I could sit up here and talk all day. It's like being on show as a teacher. And and I feel like, like Eric, something to what you said, not that you have to, well, you have to engage them, right? Like, and if, if they're not excited to be in your class, yeah, that anything that you're telling them can be good, especially social studies or history, right? It's yeah. all past knowledge. Yeah, it's got to be loud. It's got to be messy. Um, and, you know, as teachers, you want to, when, when are you most worried as a teacher? If you're a tenured teacher in Jersey, two times a year, right? The the two times the administrators come into the room to give you that write-up. And now all of a sudden, good quote-unquote teaching is loud, it's messy, and that doesn't necessarily always fit in that framework um, of, of what you're being observed through. Um, so it is a double-edged sword, but... If you're if you're doing what you're supposed to do, then good teaching is is going to produce the learning, right? And the kids are going to be engaged, and I and I think that's the big thing. But if everyone's over forty, and now these kids need something totally different, that's a lot of work on. I'm going to say it. That's a lot of work on us. Uh, yeah. So 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 Joe, I can I can tell you like a, a, a an anecdotal story about uh, a discussion I was having with the director of technology from a very large district, um, and I, I was asking her, I was like, what what is your number one hot button issue right now? What is the thing that you are most concerned about? You know, within your school, uh, and she said to me, she goes, Eric, my students are just plain mean. They they don't know how to deal with each other. They don't know how to deal with uh, their teachers, and I think it's 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 part it's 
part of this whole disengagement that's happening happening you know with students with without without you know not being able to um, adapt you know the, the, their learning preferences preferences aren't being met um, you know it, it puts a whole lot of pressure it puts a whole lot of pressure on teachers and the system in general when students are disengaged and and, and it leads to a lot of the other problems I think that are happening like the social emotional issues that are happening at this particular district. Yeah. And I think it, it also it, it's almost like there was a perfect storm, right? There was all this crazy advancement in technology very fast. Yeah. You had COVID where now you weren't, you know, interacting with peers. And when you put all that together, it's almost like they don't even know wh- why they may be doing some of the things and why they, you know, it may seem like they're being mean and they don't even necessarily see it as mean. It's just a kind of there was almost like a me, me, me kind of generation that was built because of all the confluence of all these things. Yep. 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 Like, like that, that, that's that story I mentioned about, about the, 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 uh, the student who, who confronted his history teacher about saying, why are you teaching me when I can just, that's a, that's part and parcel with all of this for sure. Yeah. Well, did, did you see the, I'm sure it's, it's been going around for a while. It's like a viral YouTube video where the, where a kid is going off on his social studies teacher about uh, she's got one of the most important jobs and it's not her job to just sit in there and spit, you know, facts out. She needs to inspire those kids. She needs to come or she needs to be the one getting them excited to come into her classroom and learn. And she's tried to shut them up and kick them out. And, and he's going up the whole way going, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, but I want you to know that you're screwing up, you know, like, and, and it is like, Ron, I don't know if you know it, we just lost another middle school teacher uh, last week. So it's like now kids are quote unquote meaner than they were before. There's not a lot of support in a lot of cases from parents. Teachers are like thrown in red flags. And and the other day I had just talking to a colleague. Actually, I don't I think it was someone who was retired. And I had mentioned that in the past year. I would say about five or six kids had been, you know, I've come into contact with other previous students or my son's friends that had mentioned they wanted to be a teacher. And my initial response was, don't go find something else to do. And I was talking to this retired person and they said, listen, that is the last thing you want to tell them, because what do we need right now? Teachers that are inspired and excited about getting into the classroom. She said, so, you know, if it was former students, then you or someone else inspired them. Or, you know, it's somewhere along the road. She was the last thing you should do is kind of put that fire out for them. Like you should yeah. be saying, yes, we need people like you. Um, well, and I mean, it is. I mean, with the fresh ideas, right? You, you know, because just, this generation and they can relate. Right. Because right. and I know we've talked about this before. I have a very hard time relating to these kids today. And, and you know, you had talked before about your your platform being very similar to Roblox and Minecraft. This year was the first time I actually got into Minecraft through a project-based learning math unit. Um, and I was I was I was floored because from teaching third grade all those years, how I could have used that for strictly multiplication. I mean, that probably could have been the easiest platform to set kids up from, but because I it was so foreign to me and and growing up, you know, with Nintendo and Not necessarily the (laughs) not necessarily the systems or I think even the drive that's out there today for video games. I mean, video games are everywhere. 
even to like some of the trainings people have to go through their their game based um yeah. and and i don't want to say i'm anti games um, because I did like playing sports games, but like the board games and the video games were never really my thing per se. Ah, so it's it's a, it's a disconnect where these kids' whole worlds are are based through gaming. Yeah, it, it it goes back to you know what we were saying about generational preferences. You know, I think the three of us we probably grew up you know as part of the MTV generation, right? And then the, the millennials grow grew up with uh, uh, you know Facebook and social media. Uh, this generation is growing up with virtual world games. You know, uh, specifically virtual world games is is you know, and I, I like to to quote you know, three different statistics that kind of level set and all usually make people go, holy moly. And that's 90% of students under 18 in the US play Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite. Nine, nine out of 10 students play these games. Um, the daily active users play for 2.6 hours a day. Um, and then Science Daily estimates by the time they turn 21, these kids will have played 10,000 hours of video games. That's that's jaw dropping. Right. Um, ask me. Yeah, just the nine out of ten. Like they, you can't get nine out of ten people to do anything to brush their teeth. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, exactly. like to, to have that many people, and and I guess because the there is a game to fit anybody's interest, right? Like the variety of games that are out there are just so varied that every everybody can find their niche. Absolutely. Yep. And they all they all happen at different paces. There there is you know uh, inevitably the Roblox kids age out. Even though you know when they become teenagers and when they get into high school, they 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 say, oh, I don't play Roblox anymore. Even though secretly they actually do. Right. <laughs> uh, but but um, in Asia, there's a game called Zepetto. Uh, a virtual world game called Zepetto, and it's slower paced. It's it's about hanging out. It's about showing off your fashion, showing off your avatars, new sneakers, or that sort of thing. But it's <laughs> gradually it's coming coming here to America. But like uh, uh, to your point, there's there there is a niche virtual world game for every age. It seems, you know, and 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 something is fulfilled um, by these games. Our hypothesis is that it's the social layer. It's it's not the game gamification, the taking a paintball and shooting, you know, your buddy or, or busting down a door or whatever. It's being there with your friends, doing these, getting, going through these experiences together with your friends. And that's our hypothesis. Uh, and that if you can take that social layer, that social experience, and then layer learning and education on top of it, and you're able to steal back even just a tiny fraction of those 10,000 hours, that's, I think that's, that's, that's powerful. Yeah. So that's a perfect segue. So tell us about Megaminds. Like, you know, what is it? Uh, so the, the name actually came, was actually named by uh, my co-founder students. So she had a fifth grade, fifth grade class and we gave them, you know, a few, a few names and we were like, you know, you know, what do you guys, what do you guys think? What do you think is the best? And they were the ones that chose Megaminds actually. So, uh, and I liked it because it was, you know, it was, you know, it was fun. It was energetic. And it's also like aspirational a little bit as well. That's um, like, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, okay. So uh, Megaminds is a, a, you know, as I've sort of been alluding to is it's a learning platform for students where they, the students learn through creative play, through interactive activities, all contained within 3d social online spaces. So, Think Roblox, think Minecraft, but strictly focused on learning. 
um, you know, it's it's a platform that teachers can use to connect with their students. Uh, you know, the teachers that may not, you know, may not have, you know, may may I don't why would I want to be an avatar? They have that type of response. They don't need to be an avatar. They can use our platform and as uh, uh, as a creative tool, they can assign rooms to students for the students to build. So the the, the what I was um, uh, when I was at Istia, I was just I was talking to teachers, and and I think I told you the story, Ron, when I saw you there. Uh, Canva was the bell of the ball there. I don't know if you went to their booth, but there was 50 people around it every day. Uh, it was the it's the fastest growing ed tech software in the world. I don't know if you knew that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and teachers, you know, they love to use it for the the, the the as a creative tool for themselves to present lessons in fresh ways, but also for their students to be able to showcase to demonstrate learning to be able to show, you know, uh, to create a poster after a unit of study or what have you. One of the ways that teachers can use our platform is as a 3D Canva. So instead of making a poster, students are able to use our creation tools, which are drop dead simple, drag and drop simple, um, to create 3D virtual worlds, if you will, of uh, of whatever the, the, the assignment may be. So we have we have integrations with uh, 3D models and GIFs and images. Um, you know, for teachers, we're integrated with Pear Deck, with Nearpod, with Kahoot, with Quizzes. You can natively take your Pear Deck and just drop it into uh, our platform to add a new context uh, for your for your for your content for your existing curriculum. We take YouTube videos, MP3s. You know, pretty much 3D models, of course, and pretty much any type of content can be added to our platform and made interactive. So where the students can interact with the content, they can watch a YouTube together as a group of avatars. They can they can take, you know, if it's a you know anatomy, they can take a you know human heart or a skeleton and 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 pick it up and take a look at it from different angles and then hand it off to their to their you know lab mate or partner or peer and then they can examine it. So. It, what it really does is it opens up a whole world of um, collaborative learning that otherwise could only happen, I think, in the classroom, you know, where now, you know, you can't, you know, sure, you can collaborate on, on Zoom, but you can't really do it to, you know, to to this degree. It, 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 it allows students to explore their interests and collaborate and, and, and it fosters and when they're building something, it fosters a sense of autonomy and ownership. Um, and, you know, um, where they can they can feel proud of uh, of what they built and they can share it, too. It's all browser based. So the rooms are shareable amongst their peers they can you can you can send it to parents, you can send it to other teachers, to administrators. Um, everything is wrapped. Uh, we, we did our best during this beta period to make everything as simple and intuitive as possible. Uh, don't get me wrong. It's still it's still a you know complex platform. It's 3D. It's a 3D you know learning platform with with um, you know new tools that 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 kids won't have to learn how to use as they already know know it. But some teachers may uh, uh, may need to uh, adapt to uh, adapt to the platform. But um, it's worth it, man. You know, the, for the for the students that I've seen uh, and the feedback that we've gotten from some of the teachers and from the students who've who've, who've experienced our platform, um, it seems to be a really a really powerful tool. So, as a teacher, I would kind of set a world up, and the students would come join the world. Yeah. So there's two different ways right now that that most of our teachers are using it. Some teachers see our platform and they go, "Oh man, this would be a really great way to present 
you know, my contact, my, my content. I would love to put put my, 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 you know, all the materials that I have in my slide deck or what have you, or the videos I have prepared, the, the, the quizzes I have and drop them in the world for the students to explore and to, 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 uh, to interact with. Some teachers are like, I see how, you know, this is not really for me. I don't really want to be an avatar in a 3D space, but I know my students love it. So for those teachers, they can assign, you know, rooms. This is the, where the Canva, 3D Canva part comes in. They can assign rooms as, as a creative project, as a pro for project-based learning. So they can give, they can, they can, they could set up a room where they could just send a blank room to the students and say, show me or give me a book report on, you know, what we just studied or show me, you know, uh, uh, tell me a story about how Abraham Lincoln was murdered. If it's a, you know, civil war, you know, a history, a history lesson, those many things that um, can be done, um, uh, the students can do to, to build, to demonstrate learning. And then after that's done, it becomes like a gallery. So, so the, these are permanent spaces there. You can think of them as like 3D websites. So once a room is created, once a, a, a world is created, it exists on, on the teacher's dashboard until they decide to delete it. So, you know, it can be used as a gallery walk. It can be used as uh, for portfolios for, uh, uh, you know, for the students. Yeah, the portfolio. I didn't even think of portfolios, but it's like a, a, a physical or, well, virtual physical portfolio right like it's, <laughs> no. you, you can move around it versus just yep. through it yep absolutely uh, and then the last thing that we're adding this summer this this in in august is assessments so you know where we'll have the ability to do multiple choice questions uh flip cards uh you know short answer long answer uh we'll, we'll make the room itself uh, an assessment so that you'll, teachers will have the ability to give grades to to the rooms uh, that the students create and design that they that they're assigned, um, and and that's kind of opens up. This is a big one that my co-founder Marina was always a big big one. She she always was she was a big she, she was the one that first told me about you know interactive assessments and, and the importance of them in creating a different context for formative assessment than sitting down with a quiz in front of you with a with a with a pen and you know with a piece piece of paper this is a this is a a, a, a way to really demonstrate learning and mastery um, that is is for the student engaging but also you know it's a new context that I think I'm very interested in, in exploring and seeing you know where teachers will take this I see it like Zelda it's like a quest. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The, the the analogy I I, I tend to use is uh, make it like a Pokemon hunt, where you can tell 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 your students there are six quiz questions in this room. Go find them and answer them, and and then it becomes a game. Then it becomes okay. I got to search every little corner of this room and to find this question, and then I'm going to answer it. And then and you know it's not them sitting nervously at their desk, you know, dreading the piece of paper that's about to come towards them. And then when you say like like how would they go through and find the room? or like find the questions through the room. Can you explain that? Sure, so so the, so the teacher, if in this example, the teacher would set up uh, the assessment question. So they would take a room and they would put, they would put uh, their questions into the room. So if it's a, you know, it's a, if it's a math quiz, they would put in their, their math quiz, their questions, and then put them in different places around the room. Uh, oh, and now- Like interactive links where the kids would just no, go through? No, they're, 
they're proximity based. So the teacher can set them to be uh, um, so that they don't appear until the student uh-huh. gets within a certain distance of them. Okay. So then you could hide them in different corners. You can hide them in the ceiling even, you know, and, or yep. on the floor. And the students, you know, then are tasked with, you know, um, going to find them and, and, and answer them and just presents a new context um, for, for delivering assessment that I think yeah. is interesting. I like that. And I think one of the things like, I was thinking, you know, it's, it's takes the, you know, the old like science fair trifold thing that you would have up or the PowerPoint or the Google slides and just elevates it again to reach them where they're mm-hmm. living, right? The PowerPoint is where I grew up Yep, is the presentation medium where I grew up. The trifold is the presentation medium where maybe Our some parents. older, right. <laughs> um, but this is this is that same idea, just meeting them where they live. Mm-hmm. Yeah, precisely. Um, which is phenomenal. And can so if I'm a student and I create my world, like I, you know, say I'm in Joe's fifth grade science class and they're learning about like phases of the moon or yep. something like that, and yep. Joe assigns it and they create this world that's all about the different phases of the moon. They can then share their room's link with the other students in class so everybody can yeah. come visit their room. Absolutely. Walk through, yep. give feedback. Yep. Um, it, 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 it can be shared. It, it's everything is browser based and accessible on any device. So, you know, uh, you can you could do it in class. Students can 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 use the devices they have. They can even use their phones if they're allowed to. Uh, it can be you know that type of sharing can be done asynchronously as well because these rooms exist twenty four and are accessible twenty four seven. So you know they 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 are uh, it, it it provides a lot of flexibility uh, for how teachers and classes can approach uh, you know can approach the work. And this reminds me of like some probably my two favorite phrases when we're working on something in class, can I do this at home? Ah. Right. And Oh my gosh, the period's over. Like, because I think they will get so into the flow. Yes. With the creation aspect that they almost, you'll have to stop them because they're, they're going to do things that we wouldn't even think about. Uh, you know, in, in terms of putting stuff into the room. And and they will want to voluntarily jump into the platform after school. And that was, uh, uh, I'll tell you a quick anecdotal story about one of our, one of our, one of our beta teachers um, in Ohio. Um, her class, she, she emailed me because she was like, uh, Mr. Stiles, some really strange things are happening, you know, with your platform in my class. I was like, uh-oh, what's going on? She was like, <laughs> They started, the whole class started jumping into our platform every day after school without her, without prompting. They just started doing it. My assumption, my hypothesis is they did it anyway with Roblox. They were doing it anyway with Roblox, with, with Minecraft. They just decided, oh, we just jump into Megaminds and hang out there. So that's what they started doing. Um, and she said some really remarkable things happened. She said their relationships, their real world relationships got better based on their virtu- their interactions in the virtual in the in the virtual space that they started to that her she she said to me she goes her my her, my class it helped my classroom management because they started to manage themselves 
Uh, and she gave one example where there was a student who was a bit rude. He may not have known he was being rude, but he was cutting off the teacher, cutting off everybody whenever they were speaking. And so what they did, this is kind of interesting, they put them on, they put him on a mock trial where they, 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 <laughs> while in that space and they, and, and essentially it was a way for them to let him know in a kind of friendly, I guess, friendly kind of uh, um, way that his behavior was not acceptable. And she said, it worked and that he, he, he changed. He wasn't like that for the rest of the year. So, so did the kids create the room to like for the, for the trial? Yeah. So they, it, yeah, they would put bench, a, a judge's bench up and they would, you know, they would put different models around to, to make it seem like a, an, an actual court case. So she invited me to speak to them actually. Okay. And I had a zoom session with them and I was like, I was like, who's the judge? And this little, <laughs> this little girl puts up her hand. I'm like, I'm like, so why are you the judge? How'd they pick you? And she says, because I'm the fairest, obviously. <laughs> uh, group of sixth graders, mind you. So these, these were kids that were, were 10 and 11 years old. Um, and you know, she was, she was thrilled that, that it just got them talking. It just got them opening up to each other and interacting with each other in a way, uh, that otherwise I don't think would be possible, you know, and that, that this, this, this fuels my hypothesis about the social layer being the thing that really engages the children, engages, engages the kids, not just on our platform, but in games like Roblox and Minecraft. And again, I think it, it, when you were telling that story, my first thought was this is third or fourth grade, right? That it was sixth grade blows my mind because you would, again, like my old man mind is, oh, they, they would be too cool for this. But again, this is where they're living, right? Like this is, this is their reality. Um, and the social aspect, you know, how their virtual interactions fed their physical social interactions, you know, is interesting because we, you know, you always hear like, oh, these kids are always on their device. They don't know how to talk to anybody anymore. They, maybe it's just their talking is just in a different platform than what we're used to, right? We're used to face-to-face -face conversations. They're used to text-based conversations or virtual conversations. So if you give them the avenue of, that first, it helps feed the physical social conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're saying Wawa should put up uh, Zoom cameras so the employees will talk to the people coming up to the, <laughs> to the cash <laughs> registers to buy things. I'm sorry, Eric. That's one of my personal Don't peeves when I when I come up and the person behind the register doesn't first acknowledge me and say hello, and then you know to maybe tell me how much I owe <laughs> yeah, that yeah. whole interaction. And, and it's coming because I was customer service based uh, for quite a bit of my, you know, working career from 12 to my teaching. So I just think it's odd that you don't come up and they say, hi, how you doing? Or good morning, or, Hey, that's, you know, $12. But Ron, I mean, you make a good point, you know, maybe if I was or, talking or if, Places like a Wawa, a McDonald's, what, whatever, a customer-based business had a virtual reality training platform. Mm. Maybe then you learn the interactions, but in your virtual world first, then you then bring you can, the physical space. Well, oh, you know, it's funny. Starbucks does because well, when, and Starbucks pride themselves on customer customer service. service. 
Um, Eric, my son, worked for Starbucks. He left for lacrosse and then came back afterwards. And he had he kept having to talk about this onboarding. He has to do this onboarding. And it was all his training web-based. And it, it made me think of a lot of uh, the trainings we have to do, Ron. Like everything's online. You go through what you need to do at your convenience um, and get everything done that way. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. kind of interesting. Look, I'm learning, I'm learning a lot today. A little bit about teaching, a little bit about the world around me, a little bit about my son. A little, mm-hmm. little bit about Ben, old man. <laughs> well, get off my lawn. <laughs> so, all right, in, in the platform, when, when kids are, say they're all in that, that world, they communicate with each other via like a chat going on. Is that, is that how it is? There's a number of ways. So chat is, is one way, uh, voice, uh, there's, there's, there's oh, voice can- communication. Yep. They can speak speak to each other as avatars. Um, They can leave sticky notes uh, around the room for each other. So you can, you know, if you're in a room and, you know, you're say, you know, that that example you used where, you know, the, the, the student can invite his classmates into the room to leave notes if the student didn't have, you know, if the timing was off and there was nobody there, they could leave sticky notes as, 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 as notes for the other student. Um, So yeah, there's, it's, um, it, it, it's, whole- it's it's like you were saying it it appears when you look at it i don't want to say simple it's not simple but it's like you said intuitive yep. but there's a powerful technology background to it like it's Definitely. it's heavy duty i mean that all the stuff they're able to do Definitely. Um, we're, we're, uh, like I said, the, the, the tech stack is, is, is really maturing. And, you know, once a- Apple, uh, announced when, when they announced their headset that they're going to support WebXR. So that's just going to fuel development even further. So there are new, constantly new things that are being added to this, to this, to this framework. And, you know, um, web GPU is one of them. So we're, you know, eventually, you know, you're going to be able to have, uh, you know, video game style interactions i guess you could say or graphics in this in this context um you know uh, as as technology you know gets gets better and better right now you know we have you know we're we're you know i'd say graphically akin to roblox you know they're they're relatively relatively simple graphics but that's 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 necessary because it's browser based right there's no downloads there's no there's nothing you know it's it's coming straight from from space you know <laughs> you know the 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 internet um so um yeah it, there, there's there's a lot coming up um i would say we're actually ahead of some of the uh, uh browsers so we have a 3d uh, deployment that's ready to go that we're just waiting for Chrome to, to Google. I don't know if anybody ever, uh, um, you know, at Google, if they're listening to this, they need to fix a bug in Chrome um, because it works in Firefox and every other browser, but in Chrome, we're not able to, you know, uh, add, you know, we want our YouTube videos to be to be 3D um, and that everybody can <laughs> can yeah. watch them at the same time oh, uh, wow. and we can do that in every browser except chrome so so in a way we're we're actually just we're waiting for google to catch up right now so <laughs> we're we're at the we're at the edge of what you can do uh with WebXR right now yeah and, and and working on chrome is genius just because everybody how many schools are chromebook based like exactly yeah 
Um, is there a ticket? You guys have a ticket in with Google to like that's that's a fix that needs to come on their end. I've approached them a couple of times from two different angles to try to get uh, through to their Chrome team. Uh, I, my team at Google didn't have interaction with the Chrome team, so I didn't have I don't have any personal contacts that I can that I can approach. But there are other manners that I'm trying to get them to to fix this. But <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it'll I'm sure it'll come. So now with Megaminds, can a teacher? I, I know there are some platforms where like you know a teacher can't sign up individually. It has to be like the school or the district, can a teacher sign up just their individual classroom? Yeah, absolutely. We have we have free accounts uh, um, for for teachers can sign up um, and and start using it right away um, and 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 create assignments. They can they can they have the ability to create up to three classrooms on the free tier uh, and and one assignment. So absolutely. Wow. And then there you can sign up at the school level and district level as well. Correct. Yep. Okay. So you have a you have that free version, and then there's there's a paid version. Is that there is there there is a this is there is a paid individual version um, that's fifteen dollars a month that opens up access to everything. So that then then you're able to have unlimited rooms, unlimited assignments. Um, you know the thing is we don't want teachers to pay for 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 the premium version. We want schools to pay. You know. Um, you know, I, my wife. You know, I see her. She pays hundreds of dollars a year for supplies and 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 things that, frankly, the deal we should be paying for. So, uh, you know, that that's that that is something we we want to figure out is you know how we, we want to get as many teachers, of course, using this as 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 we can, but we want we don't want them paying for it out of their own accounts. Sure, sure. That's, and, a, that's a hell of a sales pitch, Eric. Yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> I think every teacher that's listening to this kind of just perked up like, wait yep. a minute. <laughs> yeah, it's never made sense to me. It's it, it'd be like the akin a, akin to somebody, a designer going to work and then having to be forced to buy Adobe Photoshop, you know, and that the business doesn't pay for it for them. You know, it's it's a little kind of insane. Um, you know, this is a tool for teachers, you know, to to yeah, you know, ideally make their practice more efficient and, and effective. Why? Why shouldn't the school pay for it? Of course. So, ever, ever, there, like I, like Joe said, every teacher's kind of loving that. <laughs> well, like how many people say, "Oh, we need to put teachers first. You need to put teachers first. If you want things to change in education, put teachers first. Sounds like Mega Minds is doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you, there is a. Uh, I mean, you were at ISTE. You were handing out free six-month trials, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's of the paid version. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, and that's the other thing. Most trials, not six months, right? Like you, yeah. you know, sometimes it's fourteen days, and you're exactly. really lucky if you get thirty. Exactly. exactly. You we, guys are handing out six months. Is we timed we timed it so that the the teacher could get the full fall semester usage out of it, and not not just half, not a quarter. I want I wanted them to have the full semester so they could see. The breadth of, of what's possible they could see the progression of the students um you know and I, you know i didn't want to limit that yeah and, and and again like just from a teacher perspective that's immensely you know just I, I gotta give it to you and thank you for that because how many times do you find something that's awesome and like i said it's it's two weeks and you're like oh, oh i guess i can't do this with the next class coming in or mm-hmm. or yeah. when's the budget due oh the, and right. and we all kind of know <laughs> dealing with budgets that's months 
you know, six, seven, eight months in advance, right. yeah. you know, you get a two week free trial and then have to wait all that time to use something awesome again. Um, and I was looking, for, I was looking for my card from ISTE that had it and I can't find it. Um, the code, but do you, do you know what the code was? I think, I think it's Megaminds 2023. Okay. And I'll put it in the show notes for sure. Um, but I'll get, I'll get the code, you know, in the show notes so people can look and, uh, I'll have a link to Megaminds and all that. Anything else you wanted to kind of tell us about Megaminds? I guess just the, 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 the website, the URL, it's, uh, gomegaminds.com. You know, that's, that's, that's where you can create a free account and, and just make sure that uh, you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, that's where we do a lot of uh, our engagement with teachers and, and, and um, yeah, we're, we're open to feedback and, and would love to work with, with, uh, with you or, or your school or district uh, in any way that we can. Yeah. And uh, is it Megaminds or Go Megaminds on Twitter and social? Uh, Twitter, Twitter is Go Megaminds. Facebook is Go Megaminds. Instagram, for whatever reason, I'm not sure how, but somehow Go Megaminds was not available. So it's <laughs> megaminds.official on okay. Instagram. <laughs> All right. So I just wanted to make sure we got that out there. I, I wasn't yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Every once in a while, I guess somebody grabbed up that Go Megaminds for some reason. <laughs> I said there's got to be somebody out there who just grabs like random accounts just on the hopes that something pops up that, you know, like they could sell it or, you know, like the the URLs and uh, domain names. You know what I mean? I I just read that the the guy who had at X on Twitter had it stolen from him or taken from him by Uh, Twitter and they didn't give him any money. They didn't nothing. Nothing was they just literally booted him off of his own account uh, and took it. Holy smokes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I'm saying, I'm saying Twitter, but I guess I should be saying X, right. Or X Twitter or Twitter. I don't know. Why did it change? Did it change? Yeah. Yeah. Twitter's called X, X now. Really? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) As as of Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with, you know, I, and I just, before we wrap up and I know we, we kind of, but I just, you know what I just thought of so many teachers are, or not so, but a, a lot of teachers are really kind of scrambling and panicked now with things like chat GPT and, and the AI and students being able to cheat and, you know, have chat GPT write their, you know, essay. Hmm. You're not chat GPT in your Megamind's room, right? Um, I mean, you have to no. something. Yes, 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 exactly. You have, you have, you, you, it, Megaminds is about, is not about, you know, yeah, there's no way to, 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 to it's about, um, it's about really demonstration of, right. of knowledge. It, right. It, so it's, it's almost like an AI proof assessment you, you could have through, through Megaminds. You just gave me another selling point. Thank you, Ron. <laughs> that's going. That's going on our social media next week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, really, like that's that's what people are looking for, right? Like, you could have me write a, a essay about the Diary of Anne Frank, and I can go to Chat GPT and have it done and revised to a really good essay in about five or ten minutes with mm-hmm. a bunch of revisions. But Megaminds, I have to pull actual my knowledge of the book to pull youtube videos to to pull 
you know, a tour of Anne Frank's house, uh, you know, to point specific things out. Yep. And then I, use that knowledge well, to put it into a context that makes sense. So there's a storytelling right. aspect as well. Uh, when you build these rooms, you know, you can't just splatter paint everything around. You have to make sense of you have to put it into a, a, a context that makes sense for for a visitor. So, yeah, yeah so I wonder a lot with, of. I was going to say, I'm sorry to interrupt with that. I wonder if that would hit like speaking standards or like some kind of standards. Sure. <clears throat> right. Like under a language arts or. I mean, it, you know, it's communication, right? Communication. There putting we go. That, putting that into that, you know, that organized thought that has to go into putting the pieces into the room. It's how you're communicating. I mean, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it's a real, definitely a, an AI, you know, you, you, you're not AI in a, a Megamind's room. No, it's, a, it's AI proof <laughs> from, a, from a pedagogical perspective. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pretty But awesome. you might be able to use AI to help give you ideas to set your room up maybe. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. That, that That's actually on our roadmap is to, to have some sort of lesson lab for teachers where they can, where they can, you know, type in what they're teaching. And then we can write our next step is to give them suggestions on what to put into a room. Maybe six months from now, boop, 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 it'll just create that room for them. You know, um, oh. we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, generative, uh, a, generative 3D generative AI is becoming, you know, uh, is taking as, as many strides as, as images and, and text as well. That's pretty awesome. Amazing oh. world we live in. Yeah. It is, and that's, I, I kind of look at AI like that, the, just the evolution of like chat GPT. I almost look at it as when the printing press came along, right? Like it is, it is that powerful and robust. And maybe it is, it, Megaminds is also that, you know, in the, in the rooms, it's a tool to even show students, this is how you ethically use AI for your assignment. You can yeah. ask for those suggestions. You can, you know, because that's what I think everybody is so worried about AI and the students cheating, but AI is not going away, right? Yeah. Like it, it's out of the bag, right? There's, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. It's how do you ethically use it? To help you with writer's block and to to help improve your writing, not to do it for you. And right. I and I feel like it's keep saying cheating. It's like adding to that stigma because it's not cheating. It's it's using the tools available. Eric, outside of teaching, I work at a funeral home, and they know about AI. They know about Chat GTPT, and their board or overseers uh, were asking them to help write use use the AI to to write the obituaries. Um, wow. And and right. And and now our our manager has not done that yet. But what she has done, she's the president of the association. She has used chat GTP to help her with her speeches. And and I think that's it. And, you know, as a teacher, I don't want to say I'm cheating, but a lot of times those SGOs and PDPs come out and everyone's everyone's sharing. Um, so I feel like that's once you get out of high school. The more resources and access you have to things, I think the better your product can be. Yeah. Right? So I think it's like like you said, Ron, show them how to use it. So it's not just, hey, write my five-paragraph essay so I don't I don't have to know how to write a five-paragraph essay. No one's saying that, you know, language arts <laughs> teachers. <laughs> the five-paragraph essay is important. But it's almost yeah. the way of the dodo, board, dodo bird when there's so many other ways 
to showcase, you know, you know, the, the novel I read or yeah. the math concept I need to show that I understand. Yeah. Yeah. What'll really blow your mind is, you know, right now we're at the phase in generative AI. We're, we're, we're pretty much at the, the beer app phase. You remember when the iPhone first came out, there was the beer app and you could, you could tilt it and it looked like <laughs> you were drinking a beer. And that's what everybody was fascinated with for the first year of the iPhone. That's the stage we're at with AI right now. We're, we're at the very lowest hanging fruit. <laughs> oh, that's a good analogy for sure. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're just at the baby, baby stages. Yeah, absolutely. This this week I had it up multiple times trying to figure out project based learning units for chapter one, chapter two, and now I have like ideas of like mega minds for not only the kids that got the A's on the pretest, like you know, giving them maybe blank rooms to build things, but then to bring in those ideas and rooms that maybe I've created for the other kids that I feel like would still benefit from PBL, but you know, need more of the lesson per se, or the walking through the textbook lessons. Um, Absolutely. So it's Absolutely. definitely a, I'm a platform I'm excited about diving yeah, into. Yeah, I, sure. I, I, I never even mentioned this, the scaffolding that you can do with with the classroom. So it's very easy to clone. So it's similar to similar to, you know, Canva, you can just press a button and you, boop, you get another you get a clone of your room, you can add or remove content to that room to create different levels of, of your room to, uh, to scaffold it for different types of learners. Yeah, so awesome. Very easy to do. Very easy to do. Yeah. Very cool. All looking, right. looking forward to it, Ron, man. This yeah. is a good one. Yeah. And like I said, I'll, I'll put all the, the links to, you know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, the website, the code for the six months. I'll put that all in the show notes for when this comes out and uh, we'll tag you and everything as well. Amazing. Thank you so much, guys. This was this was this was tremendous. This was a really great experience. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming talking. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Teacher Nerds Podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on Apple Podcast. Spotify, Google Podcast, Anchor, or anywhere you listen. When you subscribe, be sure to give us a review and tell a friend. Visit us at teachernerds.com, follow us on Twitter at teachernerds, on Instagram at teachernerdspodcast, or email us teachernerds at gmail.com. And remember, we're nerds with a Z. Most importantly, thank you for listening and becoming one of the teacher nerds.